You know when at the end of an interview, the interviewer says, we'll bear you in mind. And you know that you won't get the job and they, they never will think of you. Not so in God's world. One of those interviewers rang me back and asked if I'd be interested in running a new company he had set up to transfer burial records to online databases. It was an offer I couldn't refuse. They allowed me to run the company as I felt fit, and so I based it on Christian principles. I took on up to 12 data inputters, but by necessity it was always going to be what is now called a zero-hours job. There was only ever one project at a time, though sometimes as many as a quarter of a million records would take up to two years to enter, but nothing could be planned. What was amazing was that as soon as one project came to an end, I was asked to start another. Again, another improbable, godly coincidence. This was how I came to meet Clifford Grimerson. Via the diocese in Birmingham, he wanted to set up employment opportunities for ex-prisoners and prostitutes and so on. I went to a meeting in Harbin, along with police, social services, probation officers and the like, but it was obvious that I was the only person offering employment. Why was that? Jean retired from working at M&S and became one of the ladies of the vaults sorting out donations under the church for the Second Thoughts shop on Falcon Lodge. And then Neil de Tissier joined SCBC as pastoral minister. He was looking at ways for SCBC to be involved more in the community. And this coincided with an idea that the then chaplain at Good Hope Hospital, Deborah Murphy, had for placing a volunteer visitor on each ward. Originally, on becoming a Christian, I had wanted to work directly for God, and now, here, after 24 years, God was allowing me to do just that. I duly started, and many things happened that confidentiality prevents me from talking about, but I can give you a couple of examples. I developed a rapport which involved prayer with a long-term patient, and when the time came for her to be discharged to a nursing home, she was very worried that prayer support wouldn't be available. I didn't know the home, so we prayed about it, and I left her to go on to the next room. In there, there was a lady who had just been admitted and was desperate for some Christian company, so I prayed with her. Afterwards, I asked where she'd come from, and it turned out to be the home that I'd just prayed about, and yes, there was a chaplain. Two prayers answered within minutes. On another day, I entered a room with four beds. One of the patients told me he had no religious background, but had been having visions of Jesus and asked me what it meant. I explained and told him how he could ask Jesus into his life and then left him. The next week he was still there, but with three different people in the room. I spoke to the first one and he didn't want to know. The second one was a Jewish guy who studied Hebrew. I knew we had a Hebrew Bible which nobody ever used in the, in the um, chaplain church. 
So I asked if he'd like it. And he said yes. So I went and fetched it and gave it to him. And so I came to the guy that I'd pointed towards Jesus. He was ecstatic. He had done as I said and accepted Jesus into his life. And it had been changed. And it showed as we talked and prayed. I then went to the fourth guy who asked me to pray because he'd been just been given a diagnosis of terminal cancer. It felt right to ask him to give his remaining short life to Jesus, which he did. Then the first guy that I'd spoken to, having overheard everything, called me back. He too had just been given a terminal diagnosis and was riven with guilt about how he'd treated people in his life. I suggested that he could give it all to Jesus, and amazingly he did. It was only as I walked back to the office that I realised that the Bible I'd given to the Jewish bloke contained both Old and New Testaments, together with an English translation, so that there could be no doubting the words he would read. And he had seen everything that had happened in that room. Sometimes we are privileged to see the result of prayer. More often we don't. But I will tell you this. Before I became a Christian, I thought I was content. Happily married, I think. Three lovely daughters. Being paid to do a job that was also my hobby. There was the excitement of designing tyres that won Le Mans. The satisfaction of precisely interpreting maps to win rallies to say nothing of the adrenaline rush from driving at speeds that would scare most people. And yet, there was no comparison with the buzz that you get when you realise that God is with you, or see the dawn of understanding cross the face of someone who had previously dismissed Christianity, let alone being with someone as they give their life to Christ. And what now? At the end of March, the world stopped. Jean and I are over the arbitrary age of 70, so we were told that for our own safety, there's nothing we can do. But God hasn't finished with us. In Romans 8:28, it says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. There's the phone, email, Zoom, allowing us to keep in touch with others in the same situation. There's more time to watch live streams, attending church three times on a Sunday, even if the first slot is in pyjamas. There's time to watch blogs like this one, or listen to Donald's talks without falling asleep. Most importantly, there's time to pray, to be a prayer warrior, fighting for souls, as did those who prayed for us 35 years ago. I ask all of you who have watched these blogs to look back over time and see where God has touched your lives. Like the person who wrote Footsteps and imagined walking along a beach, looking back to see God's footprints, sometimes walking beside him, but often alone and carrying him. Look back. And above all, be encouraged. Thank you.